are at Mrs. Impossible, the last episode of season two. Welcome, and I am your host, <laughs> Cindy McCoy. And um, hello, hello, hello. Welcome. This is, of course, the show where the only four-letter word in in the world is can't, C-A-N-T, because I think that word hides so many things. It hides the truth. You can say it, just qualify it with why you can't, okay? That, you can just qualify it, but people don't. They just quickly shove the reasons under a rug and just say, I can't. Say, I will, I won't, or, well, I have other priorities. <laughs> okay, or something, a big project to work on, <laughs> which is true for me. Okay, so hello, hello. I don't really have much of the segments planned today, which has been the theme of a lot of my shows recently. I'm just loving coming to the microphone and talking and just being overflowing happy as I am quite regularly here in the beautiful country of Australia. I love Australians and they make my life happier and healthier. So here I am. This is episode number 11. Yes. Okay. And uh, so I'm thinking about the direction of next season and it's most likely going to be based around the book that I just was working on today for three hours straight. And that's a record for anyone who's written a book. You know that sitting down for three hours is just a miracle in some cases. (laughs) And I did it and I was excited. And it was because I had talked to a coach a coach coaches are amazing that he really got me feeling motivated he got I don't know it's just you know sometimes no matter whether it's a coach or anyone else you know you talk to certain people you look in their eyes and suddenly you feel motivated or suddenly you feel something what is it about people that when you can look in their eyes you feel a whole wide range of very strong emotions but anyway this one I felt inspired and he's really helped me get my vision together of what I want for this book that I'm working on and I chatted with him yesterday today I had my second chat and I'm just on fire so how exciting is that too and I'm paying for his services with digital currency how lovely is that (laughs) I swear it feels like I'm in a permanent monopoly game using digital currency for things in life it blows my mind I wonder if this is how people felt when the physical you know tangible paper dollar was invented they probably walked around like wow this feels like a game is this real currency is this really happening this is like a joke they probably felt that way and definitely people probably felt that way and a little nervous when credit cards started coming on the scene right now So it's gone from the physical, tangible paper to, well, actually before that, it was people trading services, bartering, just trading services. And instead of the IOU trading a service for service, it was trading a service or or a product or service, whatever it was. It turned from that to someone trading a product or service for, for an IOU. That IOU became a piece of paper. That piece of paper became a credit card. That credit card is now digital currency. So it's such an exciting time to live. I actually even thought, and I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but I thought to myself, wow, I, I just want the world to slow down for a second so I could soak this up because it's so exciting. It's such an exciting time to live, to see the world's economy changing, to seeing how people use money and exchange services and goods changing and you know there is a fear factor of it right but I'm, I'm it's like a roller coaster I know I'm strapped I feel strapped in I, I feel like it's going to be OK 
okay, but it is a little scary because, uh, you know, if, if everyone goes Bitcoin or decentralized finance and we all start using digital currency, then what will happen to our country's, uh, you know, funding? Uh, as long, I guess uh, as long as they keep tax taxes, right, then our countries could continue to exist. So pay your taxes, guys. I, You know, I pay my <laughs> The government did not pay me to say that. I pay my taxes proudly. There's even in Australia... <clears throat> There's even in Australia. You could keep that clearing throat in, Zane. You don't have to cut that clearing throat out. He's been cutting out all the times so I clear my throat from me. <laughs> Zane's here in uh, the studio recording this podcast for me. He's great, by the way. Uh, that's not Canon Productions. Ding. <laughs> okay. There's there's a plug for you. Um, <laughs> no, he's great. Anyway, where where was I? Um, where was I, Zane? <laughs> Pay your taxes. Yes, sorry. I don't. I don't mean to be um, like that. I don't want to tell you to do that. But I'll tell you why I actually feel good paying my taxes to Australia is because in America I could not just walk into a doctor if I had a problem. I had to sort insurance, and you could be rejected by doctors. <laughs> actually, you are unless you have insurance. Here in Australia, I can go into a doctor and have it paid for by the government. It was. I just remember that feeling of first or the first ten times doing it thinking wow is this real <laughs> is this really happening I'm just walking into the doctor and walking out I have received professional services from a medically trained professional a legit doctor who has done his proper certifications and credentials and I'm going in and walking out and there are people in America on the other hand who are struggling and and have anxiety and I myself was one of them about oh I have to go to the doctor how you know now I have to budget in going to the doctor. Budget in going to just to go to the doctor, right? Millions, about 330 something million people in America having to think that way. And here in Australia, we have basic, basic, not everything, it doesn't cover everything, but basic health care. So I am proud to pay my taxes. And I, I here in Australia, something I was going to say before, and I went off on my little bunny trail, but I wanted to say that here in Australia, you can get private health coverage and the government encourages you to do that as an addition to the one that you get freely so to speak, paid by taxes. And they give you a tax incentive or you you, do, you kind of actually, you kind of pay a penalty in a sense. You pay more taxes if you don't buy private health care insurance here. But it's, I don't know, for me, it didn't seem like a lot. And uh, so I, instead of the whole hassle of buying private health insurance, I just didn't. And I just paid the extra in my taxes. And I genuinely was fine doing that and have been fine doing that for the past few years uh, because I love Australia. And I, and I just, you know, I'm, oh, how horrible is it that I'm paying a little extra in my taxes so that millions of people can not feel anxiety by, and, and they can freely walk into a doctor's office for the millions of ailments and issues that they need to go for like okay I've done my part yay I probably will buy health insurance privately at some point but I just want to avoid that for as long as I possibly can um, and anyway so taxes yeah <laughs> uh, it's a very different experience for me here <laughs> so I'm very happy to be here in Australia and um, I have just dove into a segment that I usually do at the beginning of Mrs. Impossible, which is fresh picked thoughts. And as you can tell, I really do ADD from topic to topic, just jumping from one to the other. But really, I'm just jumping the joy, the joy path, right? The little glee in my heart that says, oh, this, oh, and this. Oh, and I'm so happy about this. And uh, that's why you guys get all these, these subjects. Okay. Also, I'm a little ADD, okay? I think instead of... Um, 
doing the old way that I would do things more last season. I'll just continue with this spontaneous deciding of segments and we'll just stay with the fresh pick thoughts at the moment. And so I'll just look up at the ceiling and think, hmm, do I have anything else for this segment? There's so many things that I think about to to tell you guys. And uh, well, the truth is that <laughs> this is the truth is that really I'm talking to myself. Um, <laughs> no, a few of you are listening, just a couple of you. But the truth is that a lot of last season and this season has really been practice for me. And uh, I did have people saying, you know, I want I want to hear your podcast. Tell me when it's ready. And I haven't told them yet because there are a lot of things I talk about that I want to refer you guys to that aren't done. My book, my book's not done, but I have a website. The website wasn't done. But this week I've come so close to finishing it. I actually did publish it, but I haven't shared the link yet. And I did have an old web. I did have a website, but I just wasn't uh, like I didn't I didn't feel proud of it. So I took it down and I was like, well, I'm not going to share, uh, you know, be too proud of this podcast until the website that I talk about in it is ready. And so it's very close to being done. Um, it actually is published and done, uh, except for two videos. So last night I was feverishly working on one of them and I have one more and then I will be publishing the site and probably telling my friends and family more about this podcast and um, and then start season three, which is going to have the more, um, I think, the more relevant content to everyone because I'll be focusing on human relationships and the boundaries in human relationships, which is the topic for my book that I'm working on. Specifically, specifically, I would like to get even more direct and talk about the boundaries in dating. (laughs) That might be a fun subject to even just start diving in now. Hmm, should I talk about this now? No, I'll wait till next season. I'll just get get you guys excited, all two of you. And... uh, (laughs) Um, yes. So that's what's been happening. Uh, this, this season is a lot of this is practice for me and just getting used to the different ideas, uh, you know, this whole podcast thing in general, but figuring out, um, you know, what direction it's all headed in. And I think (laughs) thinking back to the fact that this is episode 11, the last season had 10 episodes. Now this one has 11. I've had 20, roughly 21 hours of talking into a microphone by myself. (laughs) That's great practice for really learning to, and it has been this for myself. I think I mentioned this to Zane, is just being able to say what you feel and put it out there to the world is a huge step for self-acceptance, for confidence, for humility, to be able to be humble enough and confident enough and have that balance to be able to say what you feel about a matter, a subject without really, you know, without the fear of someone disagreeing or thinking less of you because of it. I've grown to the point where I feel enough self-compassion and humility and confidence, that beautiful balance. I have enough of that. I'm not saying I've mastered those things, but have enough of it to be able to get to a microphone and talk about things that might you know that I'm you know that I might be embarrassed about later or that um or you know maybe I change and I become something else and I believe something else 10 years from now but this is who I am now and I embrace it and I don't like that term I embrace it who even says embrace somehow I've caught on that term but I I have enough compassion on myself that's I love that word and that has always been an emotional kind of um 
uh, hero for me is just to feel that self-compassion to get myself out of stuck places, emotionally stuck places. And so this is a big, these episodes have been a huge testimony. Like they testify to the fact that I have come a long way. As an American, I think I was felt very fearful. Just it was it was a layer of my life that, you know, there was a constant layer of anxiety on my life in America for a lot of reasons. And here, since that layer and many layers have been removed for for lots of reasons, um, I yeah, I just come to this place where I can sit and talk in a microphone and not feel afraid to speak my mind. This is a massive trophy for me are these episodes no matter who does or who does not listen to them and no matter whether I believe what I'm saying in 10 years from now or I don't this is who I am now and the fact that I'm enjoying my own company in itself is a major victory (laughs) and this is a proof of it I remember I was saying to the beautiful man I'm currently dating. I said currently with a little too much emphasis, didn't I? Because we met, because <laughs> we we didn't meet too long ago, so I don't want to put too much pressure on either of us. That's why. But I was just saying to him how how there was a time when I could not be alone with my thoughts, and I've met people who cannot sit with their thoughts. I remember being oh, maybe oh, what was it maybe six years old, seven years old, and being at a friend's house. And And I don't know, maybe I got a little too rowdy. (laughs) And my friend's mother made me sit down in silence for five minutes. I was like, wow, I've never done this before in my seven years of existence. (laughs) And I still remember the feeling to this day of aggravation being forced to sit down quiet for five minutes with myself alone. And I didn't do that again at all until much later in life, (laughs) a few decades. (laughs) And um, the the next time that happened, the only other time that I intentionally either was forced, well, in the second instance was also forced, (laughs) was um, uh, I, I had a partner and again, I was being I was being very talkative, and I think he was just well, me talkative, right? <laughs> I was being very talkative and super energized. Probably had coffee or something, and he was super wrecked. And he was like, "Can you please just be quiet for five minutes?" Kind of a thing. He said it very nicely. He didn't say it like that, but I took it like that. So I was like, "All right, fine." So I was just quiet. I was like, "Wow, this actually feels good just to be quiet." <laughs> but he was there, right? Now imagine being alone, right? Now when I was alone. In in, in a car, in both of those other situations, there were people around, but particularly I remember being in a car or home alone, say just in the kitchen cooking by myself. I could not be alone with my thoughts. Had to have the TV on, had to have music playing. A lot of people can't be alone with their thoughts. And I, so I was telling the lovely gentleman that I'm dating how I remember there was a time like that for me. And it's just not like that for me anymore. I overflow with self-compassion most of the time. And if I feel something you know, going on where I start to hate myself. I have lots of quick fixes because I, of course, am a trained coach, <laughs> life, business, and career. So I'm, f- and I wrote a book about it. So I have a, f- a whole book full of hacks to get myself straight again. Uh, so, um, so I, I, and the coach training has been a lot of, a lot of the reason why um, I am the way I am, but definitely there are a lot of other building blocks that got me to where I am. I think one of them, oh, there's so many, my goodness. But the big ones, I would say, the big ones that got me to this point, mm, 
I'm trying to think what is what would I say is the biggest one? I would say the biggest one was the worldview shift, which consequently also changed my view of myself. It was my entire worldview shift when I read the book Love Wins, which I think I talked about in one of these episodes. Yeah. So reading that book and then the book right after that, Insurrection, Love Wins by Rob Bell and Insurrection by Peter Rollins completely cleared up the inaccurate views that I had been taught growing up, or at least made me recognize the potential for inaccuracy, the very real and linguistic, historical, so many uh, educated, scholarly reasons why a lot of the things I had been taught growing up just at minimum are only arguable, uh, possibly, not even possibly true. My goodness, look at the history and language. Anyway, so once I read these books and and started understanding that God doesn't, <laughs> if there's a God, he doesn't want to send people to a place of unending conscious torment, that whole anxiety shifted, my whole worldview shifted, and just a whole level of anxiety, you know, was, was the first major level of anxiety was taken off of my life, and I felt loved. I felt love, and I felt love. I felt like, if if there is a God and if this Jesus person is real, then he is the most, that is, that is most, and he's the most amazing story in the universe and what beautiful, outstanding hope there is for us. So I just didn't feel that yucky um, view of myself anymore as a sinner and as someone who could possibly at any moment cause God anger and be struck down um, or even, uh, you know, cause God anger in some unknown way and then, you know, be sent to some place after I die. None of that uh, existed anymore after I read these two books. So that was the first time I think that my entire psychology and neurology and physiology changed majorly so that I could feel good alone with myself in a room and hear my thoughts. But that wasn't all that did it. <laughs> After that, I I did see a therapist. I was very unhappy, very unhappy in a relationship. I didn't realize it consciously at that time, but that's what the therapy revealed. I was, I was feeling very angry, and I said to my partner at the time, I'm feeling so angry. He's like, why don't you see a therapist? Yeah, great. And then I went to the therapist, and I was like, I feel so angry. Why do I feel so angry? It was because of the partner. I was in the wrong relationship. So, uh, so that's what happened in the therapy, but one of the things that this amazing therapist who was also a life coach trained who's trained life coach and a psychotherapist amazing and he handed me a book by an author who had put me to sleep in the past even one of my best friends gave me the this author's book uh, one of his other books and I tried reading it and just fell asleep I was bored to death I didn't like his voice but when this therapist gave me another one of this man's books um I was like oh great all right fine I trust this therapist so I'm gonna I'm gonna read it I read it the power of now by Eckhart Tolle changed everything and it was another one of those change everything moments it was it was like first my worldview needed correction with the with the books love love wins and insurrection and then my self view needed correction with the power of now uh, by Eckhart Tolle and what that book taught me was how to sit with myself and not feel or fall victim of my own thoughts and emotions but to witness them and as though you're 
sitting and watching a movie theater uh, or watching a movie on a movie screen. And as simple as that might sound, it's one of the most profound experiences you can have as a human if you've ever experienced, you know, fear of your own thoughts. Because as you practice what he taught in The Power of Now, which is just to sit and watch your thoughts, sounds, well, from the outside, you you don't see anything weird. You know, you don't have to be in any weird meditation position or anything. It's just simply observing your thoughts. It's very, very basic, very simple. But doing that has enabled me to actually befriend myself (laughs) over the years now. I've been doing it for, hmm, been doing that for 10 years now. Must be 10 years, nine or 10 years now. I I mean, definitely a few times a week at minimum. I've been doing it uh, for the past 10 years, nine or 10 years. But I, but ideally I do it every day and I was doing it every day for a minute, 60 seconds, setting my alarm uh, because it's such an important skill to be able to not be immediately moved to action by your thoughts or immediately moved to fear or immediately moved even to a really positive emotion, but to uh, first observe it and let it pass through you, process it, consider all the parts of you, you know, kind of like letting your next action instead of be moved too quickly to first let it, you know, come through, you know, ride its way through your conscious like clouds in the sky. And that's what has been amazing. I'm, I'm able to sit with my thoughts. And that is what I was talking about, how I've changed, how when I was in America, um, you know, and before these these books as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it was just, it felt very uncomfortable to be alone with my thoughts. And now I can be very much alone with my thoughts and enjoy them so much so that I can put a microphone in front of my mouth and talk for an hour times 21 episodes <laughs> about what's going on because I'm just so happy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's that is the journey. What a journey. What a journey, right? I'm so proud. Humbly proud. Humbly proud. I wish there was a word for that. Instead of humbly proud, we need like a word that brings the two together because I think it's important to be uh, prideful, but not too prideful. And it's important to be humble, but not too humble. It's good to have this confidence knowing that you can fall, but not afraid of it. And to have a confidence knowing that you're great, but knowing that you have a far way to go. And it's this beautiful balance. What Can someone please name that term? Because we need it. (laughs) Humbly proud for now. Uh, Maybe if we say it long enough, it'll become like one word like hum proud or something (laughs) i'm proud (laughs) hump (laughs) wait hump (laughs) are you hump (laughs) oh that was terrible that's okay you don't have to cut it out okay so (laughs) all right time for a drink oh yes that's right in the last show i just looked at my notes and remember this in the last show I talked about, you know, cleaning up being uh, the cleanup segment. Um, uh, This is still Fresh Pick Thoughts. uh, But I wanted, I I just thought that I want to talk about the fact that I I said that I am too emotional about crypto and I forgive myself for it. You know what? I'm going to clean up my cleanup segment. That's my Fresh Pick Thought at the moment. (laughs) I want to clean up the fact that I cleaned that up. I, I... I don't know. Oh, someone just sneezed really loudly. I don't know. It's okay if you leave that in there. Uh, anyway, so uh, I think that we need to feel there is no meaning in life without emotion. So where is the healthy line? And I wish I could have Michael of Breakout Solutions on the call with me right now. Maybe we'll have a, a show about that in the future. But, you know, he called me out 
on you know being too emotional about uh, a certain aspect of crypto investing and he's right because if you're too emotional there are such volatile highs and lows in the market that you could easily be too exhilarated and not make the right choice the, the most profitable choice or you could be too disappointed and also not make the, the right choice right so or the most profitable choice but I would like to know from him because he's definitely doing what he loves and I, I look up to him I, I love his 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 company and what he's doing I would love to ask him and it actually crossed my mind to ask him for this show but I figured it's just too late notice is okay then what is the right way to love cryptocurrency and do the investing and in general too um, you know what's the right way to love to love your career or business in general but not be too invested in it right I mean the reason why I do cryptocurrency is because it's fun it became really fun uh, and then it became okay then it became maybe obsessive all right I don't know when it happened it did click it did click into obsession mode <laughs> probably once I got the app no probably before I got the app uh, but now I do check the numbers constantly all day long and and at first it was really fun it, it was just a fun game it was just a fun game I'd only put maybe a hundred dollars in and it turned into a few hundred and then several hundred and then a few thousand um, and but but no amount that I couldn't afford I only put in what I was willing to lose which is a great rule but then what happens is you put money in and then that money doubles and then suddenly you think I can't afford to lose this because I've won it it's yours it's your wins why would you want to lose your wins so that's probably where the obsession kicked in is once I started winning I didn't want to lose my wins but then you know the market is volatile things happen people say things the crypto market responds to things that celebrities say it's true <laughs> And that's what the stock market does too. The stock market responds to what announcements and messages go out in the media, whether they're true or not. Same thing happens with the crypto market. So Trump said something about, uh, you know, not believing in the crypto world and, and, you know, in his own way of saying it, he said something like, you know, crypto's crap kind of thing. And, um, like a lot of investors did at one point, by the way, and now they've changed their minds. There are all these headlines. There's a great meme uh, that shows, actually, I helped make one of them. Uh, the legit headlines of popular financial resources, you know, quoting banks and institutions about their negative opinion on crypto. And then fast forward, their current headlines are all the opposite of how they're investing it. They believe in it. They see big gains coming. And um, anyway, so minds do change about that. And the market does change so of course within the past week uh, Trump had did something uh, that brought all the numbers down and, and, and I felt sad I felt like oh no my wins and my heart struggled to find hope again <laughs> so I do want to know okay what's how do I navigate crypto health in a healthy way emotionally now normally this kind of talk that I have with you right now the stuff that I'm saying right now would be in the segment of my show cuddling with crypto but this is all just turning into one big uh, fresh pick thoughts segment but that is why I do have a cuddling with crypto segment because I do cuddle with crypto and put it on my laptop and curl up in my bed and look at the numbers I am emotionally invested <laughs> and financially so what is a healthy emotional relationship to have crypto what when you know and and I think you do need to have a strong emotion about whatever you do uh, but what what's a healthy version of strong 
what, you know, what, I guess, what, what are the signs that you've become unhealthily attached? And by the way, it's so funny, uh, you know, in the past week, Trump said his thing, but then Elon Musk, (laughs) just a few days ago, made a tweet about how he does plan to allow people to buy Teslas, his Tesla vehicles, with Bitcoin again. People had thought that he was not going to allow it again because at one time he did allow people to buy Teslas with Bitcoin and then he stopped it and that sent the market downhill. And then he said just within the past few days, no, it's just until they change some, you know, technology about it that allows it to be more environmentally into something more environmentally friendly. Um, That's the only reason that, sorry, that's the only reason that he stopped it, but he plans to start it again and it's almost there. So that message of him saying that he will allow purchases of Tesla with Bitcoin sent the market going up again. So there went my happiness again. (laughs) But you know, okay, you know what I think here, here, I think I have the, I think the answer to my question has dawned upon me while I am talking. (laughs) This is the answer. I think if the emotions match that of a sports team, then it's okay. And it's healthy. Most people, for most people's relationship with the sports team, because you know, there's someone out there who probably went too far and drunk their life away out of devastation over their team losing, right? I'm sure there's that one person in a million, right? But for most people, sports are just a fun thing to watch. And you go, oh, if if your team loses, but, but it doesn't kill you. You know, it doesn't send you into a clinical depression if your team loses, right? You just, you know, pick a different team or you hope for better the next time. So maybe that's really the healthy, look at, look at me answering my own question. Um, <laughs> uh, so maybe that's really the healthy way to look at it. If, it. if it departs at all, anything different from that, then maybe that's a red flag, right? That would probably be the red flag. And now I'm trying to think back to the moment and expression of emotion that made Michael of Breakout on a crypto coaching call that we had. Um, I'm trying to think where where was my emotion when he called me out and said, nope, that's too much emotion, <laughs> right? There's, that's going to bring you to disappointment, kind of a message he told me. So I, I think... I probably grabbed, you know, I put my hand on my chest and was vocally emotional and said, oh, it's just so exciting. I got, I don't know, maybe he just, I, I don't know, was that? Yeah, but he's right though. <laughs> I, I I have gotten more than a sports team. I mean, I, I shouldn't be, I haven't ever actually followed a sports team, but I see people who are fans of sports teams and it's fun. It's, I mean, it looks fun from the outside, like to be excited about a team and then if they lose, oh, oh well. <laughs> Maybe I looked a little bit too enthusiastic. Um, all right. So I, you know, uh, yeah, I guess I'll just keep that in check. I guess, you know, one of the things about people in, in you know, people who are into sports and sports fans is they don't, oh wait, actually, now they think about it. I was going to say, you know, they're able to be excited and then, you know, walk away even when the team loses and say, oh, it was a good game though, because they didn't put their money into it. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who put their money onto sports teams and they actually put bets onto teams and they, uh, and oh, of course there is sports betting like horse races where people do that as well. Um, so maybe, maybe I need to like go into like a, um, maybe it's the fact that I'm going to like that kind of gambler's mode. Um, and that's probably, maybe that's what was the reason behind it. And you know, he was right. Michael was right. Because when you don't understand, when you make choices in, in, in crypto investing that are just based on emotions, which I have, 
I have. Maybe he was just seeing into that because he knows that um, that that is the case for me in some cases. And what I mean by that is instead of doing my own technical analysis and looking into the charts, I'm trusting the hype to some degree um, of others. Now, that is not the case for all of the coins that I currently have in my portfolio, but it is true for some of them where I did get caught up in the hype. And that was probably coming through when I got too excited. And I think that's partly guilt and uh, irrationality because for those coins, I don't know what the future is. And they get really exciting because, uh, you know, of all the hype and um, the hope. But without technical analysis, it's really not, you know, it really is just an emotional decisions. So maybe that maybe that's what it is. I, so I am learning technical analysis now, which means I look at the charts for the coins, meaning I look at the history. What what has it been doing over time? What is the integrity? And I did use that on, on a lot of coins in the beginning. And then I got peer pressured into the hype, got peer pressured into the hype. Um, but thank you, Michael, for calling me out. Okay, so I'll probably will end this show very soon, but I'm feeling pulled to at least in every show, but definitely this one to at least have the other segment, Impossible Mission, because it is core to who I am and the original idea of the show, which is to keep moving forward in something. Well, I have taken, made huge advances in both of my impossible missions. I kind of have, you know, back and forth gone between uh, the impossible mission of <laughs> finding, you know, that what I call the boomless partner, someone who walks in the room and you just feel that boom feeling. And then the other one with, you know, getting my own business off the ground, which I've been working on for a long time, but still working full time. In both of those areas, I've made huge progress. I've walked away from my corporate job right now and I'm focusing on my own projects and my own health as well because I've dietary things and I'm getting straight now. FODMAP, gluten, dairy, sugar, all of these things, uh, probiotics. It's like I really need to clean up how I'm eating and all of that. So walking away from the corporate job has, has helped me. Staying in it has only, it, you know, it didn't allow me the time to fix the, these dietary issues. It only actually made it worse because I didn't have the time. So I just kept eating the foods that I was eating to deal with the stresses of a corporate job and the demands and the speed of, of things that need to be done. But the other impossible mission progress, of course, has been dating. And I actually said to myself, and I've said this in other shows, that, you know, I'm going to slow down with the dating thing, probably stop, take myself off of the apps altogether so that I can get myself straight in a few areas like my business and my health. But then, of course, the day that I decide to do that, a guy shows up on these apps who I'm dating now and I'm giving it time. But wow, <laughs> there's definitely some boom there. Uh, so I'm making progress in both of those areas. And my mission and since the very first episode was to make progress, uh, was to keep you guys updated and use this time to really talk about impossible missions in general, your impossible mission, um, mine, and just the whole act for all of us to, you know, hit those impossible missions that we have or things that we think are impossible in life. It's amazing how many things we thought were impossible and then we ended up doing them. <laughs> it's a theme in life. Just look at it. You know, I mean, anyone who's ever done anything wonderful has, you know, has been told it's impossible or someone has said it's impossible at some time at some point that is my update and we are now at the end of the impossible mission segment and we're at the end of the last episode of season two i have this little recorded voice uh that's going to uh that zane's going to play for you at the end and 
um, he is giving you, I forget what he says, but I love what he says. I've, I programmed him to say what he says, <laughs> but let me reiterate before I say goodbye. And that is that whatever you do, let it be fueled by desire. And what else was it that he said? It's just pure hearted desire. That's the phrase that he uses that I love. When you do anything with pure hearted desire, I just want you to do everything with pure hearted desire. That's what I want to do. And compassion. I need to put that into his little recording. Pure hearted desire and compassion. Well, that's part of the pure heart though. The idea of a pure hearted uh, desire to motivate everything that you do insinuates it's compassionate, it's peaceful, it's joyful. It has no demanding in it or controlling. And that's what I hope for you guys. I'll see you in the next season. Bye. It is now time to execute your mission. I do not wish you luck. I wish you unstoppable, pure hearted desire, clarity, and action.